You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Australian Open edition of the Tennis.com podcast. Ed McGrogan here, um, about 4.30 a.m. in New York, talking with Steve Tegner, 8.30 p.m., in Melbourne and uh, very hot Melbourne of course that's been the story of the first couple days um, is this has this been the hottest edition of the tournament that you've been to in person yeah it is the I've been here the last four years and the last time it was this hot was 2009 they had to that was the last time they they um, used the extreme heat policy um, that was the last time that they had a real heat wave through here the way that the tournament is famous for so the last few years haven't been this bad so this is kind of a i think this is kind of a shock to people it's also a shock because it's the first week and there's usually a lot of people on the grounds obviously but the last two days noticeably fewer people around at all you know compared to normal during the middle of the day it felt pretty dead on the grounds yeah i mean on tv you're actually seeing um you know, stadiums or, or courts that look really almost deserted on the crowd. I mean, side courts especially, um, and you contrast that with the players who've been out there for you know three, four hours. Some of them, it's a very strange sight for. You know, we we talk about slams and how crowded they get and expanding. You know, attendance, all that. This is just a you know sort of a unique circumstance that, uh, you know, that's why I had to ask if, if this is really a unique case, how oppressive it is there this year. Yeah, I think um, this is the first time in a while that it's been up around, uh, in Fahrenheit, around 107, 108. I think it's supposed to be up to 112 tomorrow, which is pretty hard to imagine for any any of us in the northeast of the U.S. or most of the U.S. Um, today it was not quite as that bad. It was more humid, um, and yesterday I think there was you know there was a lot of controversy about why the heat policy wasn't put into effect. If you have this heat policy, what's going to be more extreme than 108 degrees for three hours? The reason given was that um, that heat index includes humidity, and it wasn't that humid yesterday. Um, but I still think most people, you know, looking back, think that the policy should have been put into effect. A lot of people were struggling. A lot of players were struggling. Yeah, you had, I think, nine retirements in the first round combined, um, set a record, too. Um, let's let's get into what will be day four, the, the, the tomorrow that you're referencing. The, it's tough to keep up with what, what is today and what is tomorrow on the schedule. But um, let's get into to day four. This Australian Open is really a tournament of two um, two different halves, I guess, on both draws. You kind of have this loaded day, which takes place on day four, where it's the big men's half where you have Federer, Murray, Del Potro, Nadal. Um, and then you have days um, like the one we just had here, where it's kind of a very more subdued schedule, and it just doesn't, it doesn't seem to hold up in comparison. Um, you know, tomorrow... You're going to have matches, um, you know, even a match like Jack Sock versus Galmon Fees. This is just part of a really heavy slate. You have Wozniacki, Mikhail, you know, that's obviously a little more American flair. But, you know, what are what are some of the matches tomorrow that catch your eye the most? Um, yeah, the Sock, definitely the match between Sock and Monfils is a big match because that's, um, Jack Sock has been playing well lately. He's you know, a young American that that I think has been um, 
you know, has been getting better and better. And, and as a player who could, who could do, I, I think can do some damage against a good player, a top 20 player like Monfils. And Monfils, of course, is, is, um, he loves that particular court that he's going to be on Margaret court arena. Um, that's sort of been his home for, for a lot of crazy five set matches over the years. I was actually a little surprised that he beat Ryan Harrison as quickly as he did, just because he seems to love to put on a show over there. I've been over there a couple times where he seems to have intentionally lost the first set and maybe the first set and a half before he can sort of settle in and, and put on a show. But that's, that's definitely a big match. Um, and, and one other one tomorrow that we're going to see, I didn't mention it is going to be Rafa who plays Kaganikis. They're the Australian there. Now it, it's going to, the way that's going to turn out in all likelihood is the sort of anti-Tomich, you know, f- I think um, the anti-Tomich thing will generate a little more fuel because it's almost a guarantee that Kakanaikis is going to play a better match against Rafa than Tomich did, you know, retiring after one set. So you're going to see, I think, a little more of that really no matter how it turns out, and I'm sure it's going to turn out as a pretty routine win for Rafa. Yeah, I think... In Australia, you know, people are talking about now they have these two other guys. Tomich is not the only young uh, male player. There's Kokonakis and Kyrgios who were who were both teenagers and they both won their first rounds. They were top juniors. Um, they played each other in the Australian juniors last year. And so I think there's this sort of hope that these guys can be a little bit of what Tomich isn't. Um, Kokonakis is only 17, very talented player. He might be the more talented of the two young guys, but um, he's also more raw. I mean, he's it's going to be a you know it's a it's a pretty big mismatch on paper against Rafa, but it you know it should be a fun match. And let's move to um, what will take place in a couple of days from now. Um, sort of the winners that we saw on Wednesday, day three. Um, that you're just getting back from, of course. Um, this was a pretty routine slate on Laver across all across the board. He had. Lee, Serena, Djokovic, Sam Stoes are all winning in straight sets. Um, you know, Lee taking out Benchich, who we were, you and I were considering, you know, maybe maybe that would be kind of a, a neat story today. And she really, you know, got shut out in the first set, made it a little more competitive after that. You know, Serena kind of just continuing to look like, you know, if you can make her of even a bigger favorite than we've said in the past, she seems to do that with every passing match. Um, you know, what out there today caught your eye uh, besides the Laver Arena, perhaps? You know, there was a few other matches that, um, you know, had some interest. It was kind of more off the main court, though. I guess two of the, um, the big, the, two of the young women players that we've been watching played today, Eugenie Bouchard of Canada and Madison Keys of the U.S., they played, they didn't play each other, but, um, they both got involved in some pretty ex- in two exciting matches. Bouchard, who had a huge uh, Canadian rooting section, which seemed seemed to shock her. She beat Virginia Rosano, a veteran player, twelve ten in a second set tiebreaker. That was, a, you know, pretty good, pretty good win for her in that situation. Madison Keys, on the other hand, lost. She was up four one in the third, two breaks against Zhang Ji, a good player, but um, somebody who Madison has beaten in the past. She lost to her seven five in the third. So that's that's a tough one. I think um, it continues to sort of show that that Madison Key, you know, you just don't know what to make of her as far as her future goes. She's 18, so you don't have to worry about it too much yet. But but in just trying to assess whether um, she's somebody who's going to be a top 10 player, so it's just so hard to tell because she has so much 
power and so much um, sort of raw game, but then it can just go off so quickly. You know, you know so you still it's still just hard to to know what to make of her. And, but the Bouchard winning that match is a, it was a good sign for her. So those were two. You know, as far as we're looking for in the early rounds, we're always looking for younger players who who we could be seeing in the future. Those are two were two interesting matches today. Yeah, there's. Um... A couple more matches that caught my eye from today that you know we're obviously still going to follow as as the players progress. There, um, you have Allison Risk who won six one six one over Wickmeyer. Risk is a player who we usually tend to see kind of only at the slams where you get these big one hundred twenty eight player draws. Risk also a very established player on grass too. Um, but she's been able, you know, American, she's managed to win a round or two at a number of slams. It's not really just kind of a one-and-done player. Um, seems to be sort of a, a, a bigger match player for, than what her ranking indicates. Um, you know, we've watched her a little bit in, you know, previous years. Um, just, you know, kind of remind about her game, what she, you know, what she does well, maybe. Yeah, I think she gets forgotten when we talk about younger players. She's a little older. She's 23, and... Um has been around a little longer, so she doesn't get sort of the Sloan Stevens, Madison Keys, next big thing treatment, but um, she's gotten a lot better on different surfaces. But, uh, like you said, she was well-known. She has done really well on grass, almost solely uh, at the highest level, but now she had a good U.S. Open. Um, she's moved her training to College Park, Maryland, which has sort of you know become this sort of new hotbed for USTA training. Um, and she just, yeah, she just killed... Wickmeyer today, who is a, is a former U.S. Open semifinalist, uh, and she'll play Kerber next, which is also an interesting match. I think I always thought Risk was a good, mentally a good player, had a good um, had a good attitude, a good demeanor, but maybe she just wasn't the athlete to stay with these top players. But but you know who knows? She's she's shown more than you know. She's really improved in the last year. A couple more matches of note. If you look at the Margaret Court Arena slate, you had um, Lizicki going down early. You know, she actually tweeted later on that she was beat by the Heat. She, more specifically, she was beat by Nicolescu, um, two six six two six two. The last match on Court Arena was Query taking out Golbus in straight sets. Yeah, Query served just outstandingly that match. I, I watched that one, and, and um, really, it was. You know, Galbas really had no margin for error on that, and he made about 40 of those errors. So this was really um, sort of a nice little run going for Query there, um, who could probably run into Djokovic in a couple rounds if he, if or in the fourth round if he kept going. Um, I wanted to ask you about the other quarter, the non-Djokovic quarter in this half, because like, like I said, this is this was widely considered the weaker half in the men's draw. And one of the, you're going to have a semifinalist out of most likely yeah, David Ferrer, Thomas Burdich, and Jersey Janowitz. Janowitz has survived two matches in the early going that did not go straight sets. Um, Ferrer today won in four sets over Manorino. Burdich won much more convincingly than either of those. Uh, either of those two, you know, of the of that trio in this sort of really open quarter that we like to call it, you know, what do you kind of forecast for, you know, maybe that eventual semifinalist? I guess I'm looking at Burdich at this point. He um, he's done well here in the past. He'll typically lose to one of the big four players. He's been pretty solid. Um, won pretty quickly. I think 
<coughs> Janowitz will typically, he seems to find these spots in the draw. He did at Wimbledon last year, ended up in the semis against Murray. Um, you know, he was in the, he was in the Federer section of the Wimbledon draw and sort of came through there. And now he's in a pretty good section of this draw, but he's already played 10, uh, 10 sets. So I think that's going to hurt him down the road. And Ferrer has been, <coughs> obviously been good. He's still ranked number three in the world. And he was, he played, you know, he played, played an opponent who was playing well today. And he, he wore him down the way he does, but I would, I would take, um, you know, I would take Burditch in this, you know, looking at it right now. <coughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, good opportunity. Like I said, no matter who gets out of there, um, in the uh, the non-Djokovic half of this half of the the main draw here. So um, we will catch up later on the podcast in the coming days. Um, as for Steve's pieces on tennis.com, plenty of those. Um, one especially on Ross Hutchins you'll want to see today who returned with a win in doubles, um, come back from cancer treatment, um, and many other pieces, of course, um, about the uh, Aussie drama and other dramas that take place in Melbourne. So we will catch up again um, on the podcast and check out everything Australian Open coverage-wise on Tennis.com. Thanks for listening. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.